Before we get going, make sure you're subscribed to the show on whatever audio platform you're using and jump over on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Daily Real Estate Investor. We have shorts coming out daily as well as these podcast episodes on video. Welcome back to the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm so happy because this is going to be a, a really good episode for everybody. Uh, right here, I have Matt Faircloth. Matt, what's going on? Good to be with you, man. And thanks for having me. Matt was in the show um, back with Josiah when he, he had the podcast going on back then in October of 2020. So it's been oh. about, yeah, it was almost three years since the last time that you it's were in the show. It's a weird world, October of 2020, man. That's where we're like, man, what does outside feel like? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We had no idea what was going to happen. That was post-shutdown, man. The, the, the shutdown was, was March. So that would have been you know, pre-vax, you know, and when things were still a little weird and wearing a mask to go outside all the time and everything like that. So yeah. And real estate, man, I wish I bought 10 times more real estate than I bought, you know, back then. I wish I bought 10 more deals uh, in, in October of 2020. Look at us now, you know? Look at us now. Yep, exactly. But yeah. hey, here we are in different yeah. times. And uh, So Matt, for those that don't know you, um, go ahead and tell them a little bit, a little bit about yourself, how you got started and, and where you're at now. Um, let's see. So I got started, uh, graduated from Virginia Tech, uh, went to college and I uh, got a degree in engineering because people were like, Hey, you're good at math and science. You should study engineering. <laughs> and so I listened to the, they listened to the grownups in the room and that's what they told me to do. So I did that. Then I realized I didn't like engineering and, mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't want to be an engineer. Uh, wanted to be something a little more like people oriented and everything like that. So I got a job in sales. Um, so I was a salesman for seven years selling industrial equipment and technical product that required an engineering mindset. And I was selling to engineers, but I was using my selling, finding, refining my selling skills. Hey. Um, fast forward to Philadelphia where I met my uh, uh, wife. Now you met my girlfriend, then became my wife um, in that. And she put Rich Dad Port out of my hand. And this hey. is back in 2003. Um, that blew my mind and said, okay, I see... I was kind of a little stagnant with the selling thing, had gotten pretty good at it. And I just felt like there was something more in me, but wasn't sure what it was. And so I started to um, invest in real estate on the side, that, that being my first primary residence and mm. um, was my first real estate investment. And then fast forward, then, you know, rolled up to her and I while we were dating, buying real estate together, believe it or not. So mm -hmm. bought our first, bought a duplex. And um, then soon after, you know, if you start buying real estate with your girlfriend, you probably ought to marry her, you know, and all that. <laughs> I can't imagine what life would have been like had that not worked out, but you know, we did it. Um, so anyway, we, um, we, uh, got married and, uh, we decided that our path was beyond me being a salesman. And so we decided that, that I should quit my job and we should live off of, off of her paycheck. And so we lived below our means and built our business from there. Cool. And, um, and that just, we focused on residential housing and, you know, scaled up in Trenton, New Jersey and uh now we're sitting on about 1800 units in four states uh mostly apartment buildings um got some got some alternative assets as well and some hard money loans out there are going to be doing a lot more hard money uh in, in the future so uh so that's that you know just a real estate dude trying to make you know trying to stay relevant trying to make it work you know <laughs> cool deal and then honestly that's a beautiful story there i mean I Thank wish you. my I wish my wife would have gave me rich that poor dad to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. yeah. So was she? Um, how did she ever find out about rich that poor dad? Was she already investing or had some idea into it? Or 
No, so her but her brother-in-law, uh Tony D'Angelo is a uh, phenomenal human being and he um it, like his uh, role in life is is educating college kids on things that are well beyond what college offers. Mm. And so he has a business called the Collegiate Empowerment Company that works with colleges across the country to give them alternative education outlets. So oh, you know, college is there to give you a degree, but it's not necessarily there to teach you. And so his company gives education modules outside of what you're going to get in a classroom. Uh, so he teaches everything from, you know, how to properly interact with alcohol yeah. in college, um, what sexual harassment is in college. He has a program called Zero Shades of Gray, you know, <laughs> cool name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got boost the necessary conversation. And then for a while there, he was teaching college kids about financial education and he started gravitating towards using the rich dad brand. And for a while yeah. he was going around to colleges teaching college kids how to play Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game. Right. Uh, he, my brother-in-law was one of, um, rich dad's advisors for a long time, uh, on yeah. the advisory board for rich, the rich dad company. And he was the one that put rich dad, rich dad, poor dad in my girlfriend's hand. And then I went to the first time I met my brother-in-law, we played cash flow at, at his dining room <laughs> table, you know, um, in that, so that was my first exposure to the cash flow game too. So, and, and nice. I was latched onto all this stuff, and I was like, "Man, this is amazing!" And so I took cash flow back, um, went and bought it online immediately, and so started, you know, me and my drinking buddies, and so like, "Hey, man, we're instead of going out drinking, we're play this game." That's the so best time. Get, yeah, I go get a six pack, and we would they come over to my house, and we'd all play, uh, all play cash flow, and, and all that. Started attending RIA meetings and whatnot. Before you knew it. Um, you know, my, my, my was blown officially. It's probably the first time I got out of the rat race in the board, in the board game mm -hmm. was when I was hooked. I said, okay, that's it. I love this game. I love this lifestyle. I love this mindset. I'm all in. Yeah. And for those that don't know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, his, his company created a game that'll, it'll basically educate you while you, while you're still having fun playing this game. It's a board yeah. game similar to Monopoly. Um, I know me and my wife, we, um, when COVID started, she had gotten, uh, COVID first. So obviously Bang we're quarantined in the house and the only thing for the most part that we could do besides watching TV, uh, we started playing board games and that's when we ordered, actually we were playing Monopoly. We got, we got tired of playing Monopoly because we were playing it every single day, about two to three times a day. And we ended up buying cash flow, and we, we got really good at that game. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was, that was a really good experience. Really good game. So open your eyes, man. I mean, like I, I'll tell, I'll give you a scenario, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you're talking about raising private capital. Um, cash flow is before I even knew this is what I was doing. Uh, I, you know, you know how when you, when you play the game, you get a job. Yep. Right. Okay. So I was the mechanic. Hmm. Okay. And the mechanic has low overhead, but low income. So it's very easy for the mechanic to get out of the rat race. Cause it's yep. not that much passive you got to make, but the mechanics got to be creative, you know, because you need to, you don't have the, the revenue. Right to there's not there's not my money sitting in your pocket. Uh -huh. The doctor, on the other hand, in the game, the doctor makes a ton of revenue, like a, like well over ten grand a month in uh -huh. revenue, but has very high expenses. Okay. So the doctor can borrow against his income. You can borrow money in cash flow. A lot of people don't do it. But you can borrow money in the cash flow game in that. So what I learned, and this is like raising private capital before I knew it was a thing. I was the mechanic, and I would go to the doctor and say, "Here's the deal." Uh -huh. Okay you are going to go and take on debt and cash flow debt is crazy. It's like 10%, it's like 10% per month. Debt. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, Tony Soprano money, 120% <laughs> interest. Right. You know, right. 
so the doctor can borrow money. And then I would, I was a mechanic and I'd say, okay, doctor, what I'm going to do is, you know, how there's two cards, there's big deal, small deal, yep, right? Yep. All the mechanic can afford to do is, is small deals. Small deals, right. But I say, okay, doctor, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay, I'm going to, when I land on the deal, uh, on the deal uh, block, I'm going to pick big deal cards. <laughs> if I land a big deal that works, apartment building deal, business deal, LP investment deal or something like mm -hmm. that. You're going to bankroll me, and we're going to split it 50-50, right? So, uh, honest engine. That's what we did. You know, hundred percent. That's what we did back in the day. Uh -huh. Is uh, that that's that's what we played the game, and uh, and that and I learned that that's you know, in, in essence, raising raising private capital. I talk about the book, the deal provider, the cash provider. But I was, uh -huh. you know, I got into the rat race very early by structuring deals with with you know me finding the deal and somebody else funding the deal or vice versa. Sometimes I was the doctor. It's I would be the money to somebody, mm -hmm. you know, interesting, um, interesting mindset, right? And that game's a great mindset, a mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you understand. It helps you make that shift. Cause that's one thing, um, we don't fully understand how money operates, um, and understanding the real term of other people's money and the book, I mean, the, the, the game definitely helps with that. Um, mm -hmm. So, Matt, today you do mostly commercial deals. Is that right? Multifamily. I'm not sure if you do, uh, do you do office space as well or just multifamily? I had stumbled into an office building that I own, Tony, hey. but I, I you know, at, at the time, I, I thought it was a good idea. Um, yeah. I still own it. I'm actually in the middle of selling it. It'll be a nice sale for us. But for the, I feel like that building stunted our growth a bit um, yeah. as an owner, but that's okay. I mean, sometimes you, you do a deal that you shouldn't have done and then you got to untangle it. That's a problem. The problem in the gift of real estate is that it can be forgiving. Yeah. Uh, if if you real estate that you're holding can be very forgiving. Real real estate that's you're trying to do a quick exit on or a quick flip or a quick quick exit on can be very taxing. But yeah, um, that has always been a buy and hold, and so it took a lot of our attention to manage that office building and to get it up to snuff when we probably should have just bought more multifamily. And, um, and that's, so yes, I own, uh, I own an office. I've got a, a lot of hard money loans and, uh, just debt investments and that kind of thing. A lot of passive investments personally. Um, but primarily our business function is apartment buildings for now, but we're, our, our company scaling in very quickly into debt right now. Mm, okay. Nice. So let's, since we're talking about office spaces, multifamily and commercial real estate, uh, let's talk about this 1.5 trillion debt, if you don't mind no that. Way. That. Yeah, I love, I love to talk about that. Yeah, I do a. So uh, I do a. Uh, we're starting. I'd, I'd love to have you as a guest too. We just started a podcast called the uh, Cashflow Digest, where okay. we talk weekly about what's going on in the world. It's like a variety show. We have a guest talk about what's happening in the world. Then we talk about some current events, whatever it is. Um, and that's uh, that one point five trillion dollar, you know, house of cards. Let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's call it that. Um, is uh, something we discussed a bit on the show, and so. Um, the the data that I have read mm -hmm. says that the majority of that debt is it's, it's a lot of things, not like one thing, right? But the majority of it, more than fifty percent, is retail and office. Um, part of it's multifamily. You know, multifamily is not missing, not dodging a bullet here. And a lot of multifamily that may need to correct or re, you know, mm -hmm. reposition mm -hmm. itself or repurpose or, you, you know, God forbid, go back to the bank, right? Um, but most of that debt is office and retail. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and then I have more thoughts, but I'll pause there, uh, to see where you want to go with it. No, no, no. I would say, go ahead, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah. I think everybody so, would be interested. Yeah, in no, it's interesting. Um, so what, what was happening that I've read, right? This is going to be what I've read on it, you know, is that, um, these owners took on, uh, debt and it's not like this crazy risky bridge debt where the rate fluctuates every month. Like you see a lot of multifamily in 
all this is, is, you know, like if you and I have a mortgage on the homes that we live in, it's typically locked for 30 years, right? right? The rate, you know, you buy a home, you're, you know, back in the day, you lock in at 2.5, 3, 3.5, even 4%, right? And you're, and you're golden. You're locked at that rate for the rest of your holding period on the house. That's so mm-hmm. not true on any type of commercial debt. You know, commercial debt typically is locked for five to seven years, meaning like the rate is locked for that period of time. And after five to seven years, the debt comes due. You uh-huh. got to recast the debt, refinance it, and off you go. Typically, in debt that amortizes and gets paid down every year, uh, meaning like a little portion of your monthly payment goes to pay the debt down, a little portion, good portion of it goes towards interest, and over time you whittle that debt down, and you know after five to seven years you paid off a good amount of it, and you can refinance and recapture some of that debt uh-huh. pay down, and recast it and do it again, and hopefully also you're riding the appreciation wave up, and you'd be able to get rents up, and occupancy stays the same. Uh, and all those things and your property's worth a little bit more so you can refi it and, you know, get back to the well and do it again. The problem is that a lot of the debt that the world has right now in in, in mostly office and retail mm-hmm. is coming due just as it naturally would in five to seven year, uh, five to seven year resets, right? So a lot of that debt is coming due. And the big problem, Tony, yeah. is that the those buildings are not worth what they used to be mm-hmm. because of occupancy, right? Um, not because rents. Oh, and by the way, one, uh, underscore one thing. What's interesting is that multifamily rents and residential rents in general are they go up every year. You right. know, like can increase. In some markets, rents gone up like fifteen percent. Right? Fantastic. Here's the problem: office and retail rents do not do that. They don't fluctuate. They'll, like it's it's very common for office and retail rents to lock in for five to seven years mm-hmm. with reasonable rent increase, sometimes rent increases tied to CPI, the consumer price index, but it's typically capped at a certain level, right? So anyway, and I'm way down the road. <laughs> well, uh, no, yeah. no, no, you're good, you're good. I'm about to get to the punchline too. What's going on is that rents haven't increased because rents are their rents are uh, typically locked in. And a lot of these office users or retail users have either gone out of business altogether where um, they are not going to be renewing their leases or have already re- not renewed their leases. So office, which is typically in the low 90s in occupancy, office space in America, Tony, is in the low 70s in mm-hmm. occupancy. And, right? and I would add to that another reason probably why is because a lot of people after COVID uh, discovered that they can actually work from home. Yeah, um, you know, a huge of, thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, like companies are going hybrid. Companies are like, you know, major companies, major companies are going hybrid where it's like, listen, you come to work on Monday and Friday. I'll let you work from home on you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, workers are workforce is demanding it because they figured out they can work from home. Um, there's a, maybe an argument on the effectiveness of the work from home crowd, and I get it. I'm not going to go there because I, I get that there's many many distractions that mm-hmm. are facing me right now in working from home. And it's only through discipline that uh, that I'm not like sitting and watching the prices right right now <laughs> instead of you know. And I'm, I'm actually working, right? I can't say that for everybody, but whatever. Whatever the answer is, uh, office is no, the physical office space is no longer as in demand as it used to be. And, and we have an office environment in America that was built for Monday through Friday, nine to five, people physically going to a physical office mm-hmm. to work. And we're not going to need America to work like that. Anymore. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And, and for those that don't know, you know, uh, commercial real estate is not uh, valued the same way as residential is. Uh, commercial real estate depends solely on uh, several things. You know, for the most part, is net operating income NOI or the cap rate in that area. So, um, if you have vacancy, 
that's already affecting your your uh, net operating income because you're not bringing in as much as you used to. Let's make it one-on-one though. What is NOI, right? NOI yeah. is the rent that you make in your property minus all your expenses, not including your debt. I'll right. say it again, not including your debt. So NOI is not cash flow. It's different. And I did, it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, your video NOI is just your expenses, your insurance, your mortgage, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, not your mortgage. Jeez, I just said that. Your insurance, <laughs> your, uh, your insurance, your maintenance, your utilities, all that jazz mm-hmm. taken out. So it's how much the property makes in profit. That's NOI. Mm-hmm. And then the cap rate, which is really a fact, a risk factor uh, for people that are willing to, to like, okay, I want low risk. So I'm going to buy a property in lower Manhattan or I'm going to buy a property in Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia or in you know, whatever, and at a growing, thriving market, Austin, let's mm-hmm. say, right? In a market that will probably retain its value. I want low risk factors. So I'm probably going to pay three and a half, four, four and a half percent cap rate to, to, for the privilege of buying in markets that have perceived low risk factor. Right. You want to buy in Detroit, you know, no problem. You can certainly buy in Detroit, but because you're perceiving to take on a higher risk and investing risk. in Detroit, you might be seeing a seven or eight percent cap rate, you well, know? You- um, so cap rate's not a measure of profitability. It's a measure of risk. Right. Um, so by that rationale, office and retail in today's market with Jeff Bezos sucking out a lot of the <laughs> ability for America to go buy online instead of physically going to go buy a toothbrush at a store right down the street. Well, geez, that I can have well. Jeff send it to me in, in, in a day on my mm-hmm. cell phone, right? Yeah. I'll just do that. So that means that the little mom and pop shops have, have had, you know, issues and office have had issues that raises the risk factor for owners. So I might I might need to get compensated with a higher risk factor for buying that office building. So the cap rates have gone up and NOI has gone down because of what you just said, because of occupancy issues. So these two factors play badly for office space and for retail. So it has driven way, way down what the strike price to buy an office space would be. And the argument is that the the price for offices because of a drop in NOI and an increase in cap rate is pushing office and retail spaces Mark. below what the debt on those properties are. So that uh-huh. means a lot of these properties with the debt coming due are upside down. So the owner is either going to need to write a check uh, or to, to to refinance to get out from under the property uh, to decide to be a good citizen and do that. Or they might just you know be a gangster and hand the bank the key, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, so that's it, bank, I'm out. And so the, the the theory, Tony, is that this could cause more SVB stuff, you know, um, banks that are, that have a lot of this stuff. I'm, and I'm talking about Wells Fargo or Bank of America's the world. I'm talking about like, you know, first local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the first and second street banks of the world, um, the local small community banks that hold a lot of the office space and retail space in small tertiary markets, um, not- we- you know, the Liberty Tower, okay? That will like that investment will likely be okay for whoever owns that. I'm talking about, you know, the the 10-story office building in in in, the, in like in the middle of a tertiary market, you know, that that's financed by the bank that's the block a block down from the office building. That's the problem. Yeah. Where the problem's gonna exist in America. You know? And then so. addi- additional to that as well, you know, we already know net operating income has reduced, but at the same time Interest rates back in 2017, 18, 19. Keep going. Preach on, man. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah. way lower than, and not necessarily way over, but they were lower than uh, than what they are today. So, you know, you're, and I'm in the camera making signs over here, but your net operate, operating income decreases. I'm with you. And your debt increases. I mean, 
the 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 window there, like if it's a DSCR loan, your window there is is getting smaller and smaller. So all loans are DSCR restricted, mm. right? And and as I buy when I'm buying apartment buildings now, the reason why my LTVs have dropped down, it used to be you know seventy five or even if you're lucky eighty percent LTV. I'm lucky to get sixty five percent LTV in apartment building deals these days because the deals are debt yield restricted. That's what wow. it's called, meaning like you know because now I'm borrowing money at six and a half percent. You know, and same NOI. I mean, not, not like NOIs change, right? NOI is the same, and that's the problem right there. Mm-hmm. Is that NOI is the same, but rates are higher, so that means that I can only borrow. I can borrow less money, so I might be able to borrow 65 percent. So you got this perfect storm going on in office and retail with higher rates. You know, uh, higher cap rates, lower NOIs. Mm-hmm. Um, it is only. A, it is a foregone conclusion. That these mortgages are are not a lot of these mortgages are going to get defaulted on, or the owners are going to have to have a pain point and write a check. One of the two. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, we are living some uncertain times. Nobody really predicted this. Well, kind of <laughs> just talking about like, hey, there, there's a hurricane coming. Let's you and I be real real estate investors and talk about this. What is the opportunity for us oh, as real yes. investors for you and for you and me and your listeners? What can we do? With this, you know, office and retail space tornado about to hit ground, right? <laughs> um, you know, what do you think? I'm sure you already thought about this because you seem like an opportunist like I am, right? And, I, you know, listen, at the end of the day, I don't want to see anybody fail. But uh-huh. at the end of the day, if there is stuff about to happen, just like the kind of stuff that happened in 2008 when I was around. And I was investing in 2008 when the you-know-what hit the fan, right? Yep. So yep. I know what it's going to, I know what it can look like. Um, and it can look like blood in the streets. And so if it looks like that again... What do we, you know, what is, the, what do you think first? What's the opportunity? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, going back a little bit, I read it in a book. I can't remember which one it was, but in 2000, from 2008 to 2014, that's uh-huh. when millionaires, tons of millionaires were uh-huh. created. And obviously it wasn't the majority. It was just people that saw the opportunity of, uh, you know, basically buying low and that's where values will be, you know, will increase. And hey, here, larger, man, buy low, <laughs> sell high, huh? Yeah, wow. And, and you know, I'm, we're actually seeing it right now happen locally, man. I'm not sure where you are. You say you're in Trenton, New Jersey. No, that's Is where it, I got started. I'm in Pennsylvania. I died in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Gotcha. But here, we're in, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. And okay, uh, yeah. So I track foreclosures all the th- like weekly. My VA sends me the foreclosures that come up in public notice. I've already, I've already seen three so far. Three big commercial spaces that are actually uh, going into, at least they get the notice to, for foreclosure. In Huntsville. In Huntsville. Well, let me say in, in the county area, not necessarily yeah, in Huntsville, yeah. but in the, in the area around it. And this is opportunity for anybody to, whether to either short sale something or get it at in foreclosure if you have the, the uh, if you're able to do it. Um, and this is an opportunity to where, where everybody's running, you are able to be in a position to buy. However, yeah. you don't want to place yourself in a uh, more difficult situation. So that was actually a question, Matt, that I had for you. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that question as well. But at the same time, um, I'm taking a note to have my VA start tracking foreclosures. Oh, Next yes. Note, I'm coming on the show to learn. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For your listener, now I'm like, we're here interviewing Tony because I, I know all y'all are sitting here <laughs> screaming, at, screaming at your cell phone. Where is your VA getting that data from? So my personal VA is in Alabama. There's a website. It's called AlabamaPublicNotices.com, and each 
And let me tell you how I found that you website. I can't remember that. No, no. <laughs> and, and let me tell you how. I'm a public notices, huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you that that's a website that not everybody knows. I guess everybody will know after this know. episode. <laughs> Whoops. But the way I found that that website, it was actually a book, um, actually from Bigger Pockets, um, bidding to buy from Aaron. I cannot say yeah, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron tries to shaggy. I must have shaggy yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm wish to get G. It's something like that. Yeah, I, I know him. I actually can go abundance with him. Oh, okay. Um, that's he's a you know I, I would say he's a friend. Him and David. Him and David Osborne. Yep. Wrote, yep. David Osborne. He yep. is a brilliant man when it comes to buying for clothes. Really. Yep. Yep. Really awesome guy. And um, his book is amazing. If you if you get a chance, it's a really small book. You can read it within a day or two. Um, it's called Bidding to Buy. In the book, he he said on there that foreclosures are posted on newspapers. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I've never seen that section of newspaper. So after reading the book, I went to a, a Publix, which is a supermarket nearby here. And I went and grabbed several copies um, in the back of the newspaper. You know where they back in the day when they used to have like the Fort rent in the newspapers, just like that. There's a section, really small font. And in there I was starting to read actual foreclosures that, that were coming up. And I was like, oh. This is actually true. People still post these on it's here. It's old school. It's that the people are doing it. Here's the thing. And I, I've had to pull like zoning, you know, like we, we've taken a building and said, okay, this building is currently this. Mm-hmm. I want to make it something different. It's called a mm-hmm. zoning board appearance, right? So the government requires that you post these things publicly. I mean, you think back in the 1800s or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, hear you, hear you. You know, Matt Verkwell is looking to make this building this and it's not that. So the public needs to be aware uh-huh. of your application to change it. It's just foreclosure filings are the same way. The public needs to be made aware, right? Um, logically, so that the owner gets their last chance. The owner is just not paying attention, and they pick up the newspaper to say, "Hey, wait a minute, I own that property," or the people that live around it, or whatever. So it's there's a requirement for public notice, and right, and and you know, up until you know, Twitter or whatever, they should just put it on Twitter, but they don't, um, <laughs> they don't the government's old school. So they make you put it in the, in print newspaper, in news media, yep. you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, I know for, and that's the thing, you know, we're getting more modern technologies coming in. So at, really? at, at, right at the bottom of that newspaper, uh, section, um, it said, if you want to find out more about foreclosures, go to, and that's where I found alabamapublicnotices.com. And in this website, it comes all types of notices, not just necessarily uh-huh. foreclosure, it's tax sales, um, storage units that are going to, they're going to be auctioning. Uh, oh, you do storage wars. Yeah. yeah. You, you go, get go divorces. Harley or something like that. Right. Everything, yeah. everything that comes up at the county courthouse is presented here in this website. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the website gets the information from the, the local newspapers. And if I'm not mistaken, other states do it. Not every state is as high tech as this one. Every state's required to post their uh, public notices like that somewhere, whether yeah. it's a paper online or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember before I actually read that portion in small font about the website, man, I was buying like maybe $9 every day trying to get foreclosures to buy newspapers. And I was like, man, this is adding up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, right. on the website and you got the like, kids recycling at your house is hating you man like you know, this box of the newspaper man what does this guy think he has all the reading he's doing yeah right? I, I had to tell my wife you yeah. gotta make us some use at least of these coupons that I'm getting cause I got yeah. there you go right <laughs> hey you were you were actually we're tangenting deep time but you were actually gonna say that you were seeing more deals come across the pipeline or whatever from your VA yes um, yeah so yes. what's the opportunity well that was that's where we were going what's yeah yeah of all these foreclosures hitting the hitting the market, man. What do you think? Opportunities and, 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 the, and the ten to hundred x more that are about to hit that haven't yeah. hit. Yeah, opportunities for us investors is number one, 
um, before foreclosure hits the courthouse steps to be auctioned, um, there's opportunity to buy it, buy that note directly from the bank. Yes. Um, and get the asset, obviously, in this case, which is a, a, an apartment unit. Um, it could be a single family house, whatever the case may be. In this case, we're talking commercial. Um, you can get it directly then, um, and it'll be at, you know, maybe 70, 80 cents on the dollar, whatever that case may be. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, you can buy it at the courthouse steps, and it'll be the bank is just trying to get their money back. Um, right. And, and when a property is under foreclosure, that means the operator or the property management didn't take good care of it. So there's obviously space for improvement there. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that's two places of opportunity that you can actually, as an investor, you can jump in and 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 find a good deal, really. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that, um, you know, a lot of people like you and I uh, have our, our multifamily or residential housing blinders on, right? Like mm -hmm. multifamily has been the darling of real estate investing for many, many years. And it's going to be an asset class for the foreseeable future. It's not, I mean, it's not like people are going to stop needing places to live, right? Um, and America also has a housing shortage. People don't, mm. you know, don't talk enough about the fact that America needs more housing. If you look at the amount of younger folks in, in Gen Z um, and whatnot that are that are graduating up out of you know high school, out of college, whatever, they're going to need places to live. And the millennials that are going to be expanding their households and everything like that. Um, and the senior citizens that we have that are going to be looking for senior housing to live in, uh, all of it. You know, America is shifting its needs for housing and we're going to need more millions and millions more doors of housing in America. So we're going to need more. So housing's not going to stop. So yes, right. you, can, you can shop those kinds of things. But I also believe there's an opportunity for those that you want to get outside the box. And there's already some people doing this that are going out pursuing office buildings and converting the office building into residential. I got a buddy that's doing a deal in Dallas right now. Um, he's buying an office building, Tony, believe it or not, for $40 a square foot, okay? Which is so cheap, guys, just in your, like that. that's like saying, okay, think about a thousand square foot home, mm -hmm. right? Or even a 3,000 square foot home. He's buying that for 80 grand, you know? Which is, unless it's in the, the corner of First and Main in downtown Detroit, you know, not for nothing, that's a good price, but, okay? Um, and that, so he's, buying office buildings at $40 a square foot. And then he's going and investing a lot more per square foot into it in, um, in, in rehab and whatnot. But if you look at what an office building is, Tony, it's like, what is it? It is a place for people to do business. It's a big open, it's, you know, big open, clear story, you mm -hmm. know, ceilings, which you could clear out and frame it and make residential units. Um, but it's also typically with some place to park, right? Yep. Um, either a parking deck, you know, underground or a parking deck next door to it or parking or just surface parking. Right. So you got that place, you know, place for people to put their car. Got it. Check that box. And office buildings are typically either right off the highway for people to conveniently get there to go to work or they're on the corner of a main, uh, you Research know, inter park or something. Yeah. Cause it's where people want to work. Right. Wrong in you? office, you know, back in the day that, you know, it was like, there's a prestigious feeling for those that were occupying that office building. Like, Hey man, my, I want my workers to walk across the street and get a cup of coffee or after work, walk down the street to the local uh, pub and get a bite to eat um, and then go see their, you know, go zip back home to their family through the highway that's here. Mm -hmm. uh, buildings are also wired well for internet, you know, um, the more modern ones are, right? Um, well, we need that, you know? So think about it. Great location, parking, you know, well wired for electricity and internet. The one thing that an office building is missing that we right. don't have, that we need in residential housing is plumbing. Right. Um, so if you can solve that problem, I think there's an opportunity 
for you know creative investors like you and me to go in and buy these small office buildings like the couple you know couple thousand square foot ones you know the five to ten to fifteen thousand square foot office buildings and turn them into apartment buildings you yeah. know the town local towns got to play ball with you they got to be willing to give you zoning change um but if you got it in the right town that recognizes that america needs more housing and less office space then i, I think you could actually have a really good equation so i think that that's going to be a big boom and, and that's going to be the next millionaire maker in, yeah. in, uh, in real estate i think is adaptive reuse Wow. I, I don't know how my virtual assistant is going to have to clip this portion in a one minute social media video, but man, the information given in, in, in I mean, just what you were saying, me up real fast. <laughs> you know? We're going to have to, because every, every bit is, is so important for people to know. And honestly, yeah. uh, Matt, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking notes as You're you taking notes too. too? Yeah. You're going to take notes on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is good information. So, I mean, everybody listening, this is, this is going to be a moment to create a lot of wealth. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, we, when people start running from something, that's when the smart investor were actually, yeah, run in and, and, and jump in. Uh, well, man, I, I mean, we can talk about this for days, but yeah, I want to, yeah. I wanted to chip in, um, with your book and then we're going to segue you. into, into a, a mock scenario that me and you, a conversation Ooh. that we're going to have into, uh, right. into private, how to, how to, how to get some private capital. So let's talk about the well, book first. Play make believe. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The book, I have the old version. Um, you're, is it, you're a bestseller, right? The, it is. It yeah, is a bestselling book. Yes. Uh, raising private capital. Um, yes. Matt Thank is you. the author and me, I personally read it about two years ago and it helped me tremendously. It actually was the book that put in the back of my head to start content creating um, mm. because that's one of the things in the book that you say which is you know let your let people know what you're doing yeah um, so matt do you want to you want to take it off and, and talk about the book and yeah and i know briefly uh and that and you guys can pick up a copy of it by going to biggerpockets.com forward slash rpc the initials for the book raising private capital biggerpockets.com forward slash rpc um so if you be kind enough to put it in the show notes or put it absolutely on your media tags, right whatever, you grab a copy um, but bottom line, the book is about, there's a lot of my personal journey in getting involved in real estate uh, and investing and going from a $50,000 investment from somebody that my wife went to college with um, and scaling up to raising millions of dollars uh, for our real estate portfolio. There are the new version of the book, for those of you guys that already read it, and it's sold like 50,000 copies already. For those that are, that are that have not read the new version of it, the new version um, has a great introduction by my friend Pace Morby. Uh, I was kind right. enough to write a, an intro for the book, which I'm really grateful for him to do that. Um, and, and that, but there's also a uh, so a lot of new content from me about how to operate, raise capital, and navigate in today's marketplace, and also how to raise your game around raising private capital. So the original content is really about how to get going. Uh, now there's a lot, a lot of new content on how to play at the next level, which a lot of us are going to need to learn how to do, whether you want to convert office buildings into well, residential, as I said, if we, if me and Tony have blown your mind on that and you want to do that now, um, or if you want to, um, go buy multifamily or, uh, you know, go to that site for Alabama and buy for some foreclosures in Alabama <laughs> along by the, by the house next door to Tony, the, the one that Tony's buying, um, down in Alabama too. It's, it's, um, really a concept. Tony to bottom line it that we all know people with money and with the right equation and the right conversation you 
can, I'm talking to your listeners now, can go out and raise maybe millions of dollars out of your own personal network from people that already like and trust you because you're you. Yeah. The book tells you how to have those conversations and let those people in your network know what it is you're doing and how to raise money immediately without having to go get new friends or go get new relatives or go get new people. These people are looking for a better way to meet their wealth goals. Okay. And they're actually begging for somebody like you to show up that has a sound business plan to show them how they can achieve their wealth goals while helping you build your real estate business. Absolutely. I know when I first started, uh, you know, looking for capital, private capital, I was actually scared. You know, I was, I was no, like, man, how do, how do I even good. ask somebody for money? It's, it's, it's a scary thing. And I've been there. And you gotta, I'm not above that. I'm not above being afraid to ask it. You know, and I remember being really scared in my my initial conversations with a lot of people. What if they know? Yeah, they tell me this, whatever. Really, consolation prize I'll give anybody that's scared to raise money or whatever. Understand this: they need you. You know, yep. Yep. Like with the way Wall Street's going, with the you yep. know, I mean, like you know, Tony, what's the stock market you're going to do tomorrow? Exactly. Know. And, and that's, that's where I was yeah. going too. Like you know, people. Yeah. As you're looking for them, but they're actually looking for you too. Yeah. So you they, know, they, they, they might not realize it, but they are. They are know? exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I mean, they. I mean, the stock market does not give you the same security as real estate. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but it doesn't give you collateral. It doesn't give you all the wonderful benefits that real estate gives yeah, you. Yeah. Whether that, whether it's a tax incentive that you get through investing in equity, yep. uh, or a collateralized meaning like a thing that I can come back and take a, a if this then that is what collateral is, right? Um, in debt, real estate, real estate investing gives benefits that Wall Street can never give you. You know, um, Wall Street gives you set it and forget it. You know, like you, you know, just put it put it out there and cross my fingers. But real estate's evolved to the point where with the right operators, you can set it and forget it too, um, um, and maybe drive past the fix and flip that Tony's doing or the multifamily investment that he's making or that somebody listening to this show their Aunt Sally can drive past the building that you are working on with them on their way to work. You can't do that with investments you have in a mutual fund. You don't even know where that money's uh -huh. going. Yep. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, oh, again, that's another topic we can speak on, on forever. But now I want to transition to, <laughs> we'll see, I'm a bad actor, but we'll give this a shot. Uh, yeah, we'll, try it. It's we'll all do, good. We'll do a mock a mock uh, conversation here between a, a, a cash provider and what was the other term in the book? A deal deal, deal provider. For, deal provider. So uh, yeah. a cash provider is obviously somebody that has the money, and a deal provider is somebody that obviously could bring a deal. Right. I'm going to script it a little bit. Okay. You were going to be my cousin, okay? okay. Um, and you're going to be, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to be presenting. Yeah, I'll, I'll start right there. Just you know, kind of play along with me, right? Um, hey, Tony, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How's it going? Hey, great to see you, man. Hey, I, I congratulations. I heard that you just got a new job. Pretty cool. I huh? did. Yes. Yeah. You do you liking it? Yeah, congrats. Uh, yeah. You got a little raise. I got, was ready. Know, I was raise. ready to get out of that old job. I'm glad I'm here now. I get it, man. I get it, man. Hey, I want to talk to you about something real quick, if you don't mind. When you had that old job, mm -hmm. right? I mean, almost every company gives a 401k, right? You yeah. Got, I mean, it was a good company, but you just it was just kind of like hit the glass ceiling. I get it. Why you had to leave, but they were taking care of you with a 401k, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I just gave the money every month. I'm not sure exactly where it was going, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And it went to Wall Street, and Wall Street's been blowing up lately, so good for you. It probably did really well. The problem is, is that what's Wall Street going to do tomorrow? I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know, maybe they, maybe the government decides that uh, they're, they're going to raise interest rates again, and that'll cause a, a hindrance on Wall Street or whatever it may be. But the good news is that the 401k that you had uh -huh. with your prior employer, with the company you used to work for, 
that's now not a 401k anymore. Right. Really? That's now that. Yeah, it is. That's something called an IRA. Right. And you now can take that money and put it wherever you want. Doesn't have to be on Wall Street anymore. 401k is going to be on Wall Street is what it is. Where the government wants it. It's fine. But that 401k that you used to have is now your money. And you can then take it down from the like, you know, Vanguard Fidelity, probably one of those two has wow. it, right? Because yep. they, they carry most IRAs, right? Um, so you let's protest from Vanguard. You can take it away from Vanguard and invest it in something else, uh, other vehicles that are out there. Like you can go and buy uh, uh, other stuff with it. You can buy bars of gold. You can buy pieces of silver with your wow. IRA. Account. And you can also uh, invest it in real estate. And you know that beat up dilapidated building down the street from where you and I both live that's got yeah. the storefronts and the apartments above that you and I both were talking about the other day about how yeah, many yeah. Somebody should do something about that building, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, Tony? I put it under contract. You know, Are you serious? you believe that? I did. Yeah, man. Um, this guy, podcast I listened to, a guy was talking about how to get foreclosure lists. And so I went and got a foreclosure list and I found out that property's coming under foreclosure. And so I called the bank because I, I know our other cousin, Sally, she works at that bank. And she told me that her boss, Tony, um, over there is in charge of the loss and mitigation department. Yes, I did tell had a meeting that. with him. Yeah, remember that? So she was talking about the, the last barbecue. So I was able to get that property under contract, right? So I'm buying it directly from the bank. But here's the thing. I need money. The bank is going to be lending me lending me some money uh, mm-hmm. to buy it, but I also need money to renovate it, fix mm-hmm. it up. And I'm going to turn it into some beautiful, beautiful apartments. I'm going to help out our town. And bottom line, Tony, I want to tell you something amazing. You can take the retirement account you have and invest it in that building. So how cool would that be? You driving to work every day, your new job, you driving past your retirement account, and seeing the hard work that's there. And as you know, I just quit my job a couple of sure. months ago because I'm doing this. I'm I'm doing this real estate gig full time now. I've had a lot of luck. A lot of, a lot of it is support. So I'm going to be doing this thing full time. So I'm going to go fix up that property. What do you think, man? You want to hear more about how you can put your retirement account into a building you're going to drive by every day on your way to work? Man, so you're telling me the the $200,000 that I have in, in, my, yep. in my 401k right now, that we can put it towards that building across the street? Yeah, and all the money that I make in rent, every, I'm going to rent it out, right? So all the money I make in rent, all the money that like if I'm going to buy it for, you know, X amount of dollars, it's going to be worth three to four X when we're done. That all, all that return and all that gain and everything goes back into your retirement accounts. It's even better, Tony. Yeah. Oh. Any income tax on that is going to, it's in your, it stays in your retirement account. So all that gain That's all true. stays in your retirement account and it's there for when you retire, you know, um, and that, so you don't have to rely on wall street for your retirement. You can put this stuff into things like real estate. If you want to put personal cash, like mm-hmm. I know you got a signing bonus. Uh, if you want to, if you want to look at that too, you can't, don't have to, but if you want to look at that as well, and I know your wife, um, unfortunately I started to hear about your, uh, about her, her mom passing, but I also heard that, uh, he, he left her a phenomenal inheritance, got blessed and really glad her mom was able to take care of her like that. If, if your, uh, wife wants to consider putting that inheritance or other cash that she may have come into, into that deal as well, you know, we're looking to raise a million, believe it or not, but we, wow. are, we already got some commitments, already got some people lined up, but I do have some room left. So why don't, tell you what, why don't you and me go get coffee next week? I'll bring some stuff on this thing called a self-directed IRA, which is the next move we got to do. Okay. I, I got IRA custodian lined up. So my people in Midland Trust, they're phenomenal. I'm going to hook you up with them. And if you want to bring your wife along for coffee too, you know how, how much I love her and how much she likes, and how much she makes me laugh and stuff like that. <laughs> bring her along. We'll, we'll, have, we'll share some laughs. We'll share some lattes on me and we'll talk some shop this Saturday. What do you think? Let's do it. That sounds great, Matt. 
Um, now, Matt, I know one of the things that I'm the reason why I don't like the stock market is because you're not really sure what's going on with the money. How is my with this deal? You know, obviously the town has been going on there a lot, especially now um, mm-hmm. with this commercial stuff going on. Yeah, um, how how is my money secured? Well, so you're you're an owner, right? And so there is I'm buying the property in this thing called an LLC, a limited liability company. Okay. That company is going to be buying the property, and that and I'm the I'm the director of the company, but all the people that invest become owners alongside me. So mm. you're going to be an owner of the sticks and bricks, right? You know, you're not just loaning it to me personally, whatever. You're giving the money as an investment, just like you would buy shares of Microsoft, right? You buy shares of Microsoft, you're owning a piece of the company, right? Well, this is the same kind of thing. You're owning a piece of the actual physical asset that's mm. sitting right there. And so if, as it goes up in value, your shares of that company go up in value over time. Um, we're going to be sending you a regular monthly financial statements. Um, I mean, it's in your local town, so you can walk by and see it. I'll give you tours of the property. And if you end up moving or you end up traveling or whatever, I tend to shoot a lot of videos for my investors. And so uh, I, I got this growing YouTube channel, so you might want to check it out. Uh, where I'm going to be shooting regular videos of our progress on that property. So you can look and see how it's going on the YouTube channel. You can always call me anytime you want. All my investors have my cell phone number. So you can call me up uh, and ask me how things are going and, and that. So it's very, very transparent. Well, I'm telling you guys, uh, Matt is over here. He's better than, I don't know, Denzel Washington or something in this acting. I've already done it a few times, brother. I've already done it a few times. But these are real conversations you can have with people if you've got the level of confidence in mm-hmm. your business, right? And obviously I teed myself up a little bit there. So it might not be <laughs> that easy. You know, and Tony over here just got a job and all of a sudden Tony's priming me up by saying he's got 200K <laughs> in his IRA account or whatever. Um, but, uh, and, you know, and of course his wife's, you know, mom just died or whatever. So I'm giving you guys a lot of scenarios that do happen uh, oh, at the barbecue if you know how to ask the right question. You don't have to be like slimy sales about it. All you gotta do is be excited about yep. what you're doing. Like, hey man, I can't believe I got this deal or I can't believe how great real estate investing is, whatever, and, you know? And yeah. one thing one thing that I'll add to that, I mean, when you're asking for private capital, you're not asking for money, you're providing an opportunity. That's one thing that you have to understand in your head. Like you're you're giving them an opportunity that you can literally take it anywhere else, but you're bringing it to them because um, yeah. you know them personally. So yeah, man, man. This, this, this has been awesome, awesome, man. I mean, uh, since the moment that I read your words, I mean, you, you helped a lot in my business, man. Um, yeah. How can can our listeners provide some value to you? They can, uh, obviously, they can write a review for the book. If you've already, if you read the prior version of the book or if you're going to go and pick up the new version of the book, go tell Jeff Bezos how much you love the book and write <laughs> a review for it on Amazon because that does help us the most is reviews there. I'd love for you to buy it from bigger pockets and then write a review on Amazon. You can do that. It's, it's okay to do that. Um, in that, but, uh, but do that for me and also check out our website. If you guys want to hear more about what we offer as a company, we have a mastermind program uh, where you can hang out with me and my team, uh, on a weekly basis, uh, hour and a half long mastermind sessions each week. Uh, you, you can hear about that you know, about other education vehicles we have. And you can also, of course, join us in our passive investing, uh, vehicles that we have everything from hard money, loan investments to apartment buildings at derosagroup.com, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com, derosagroup.com to hear more about what we have to offer. And we will add that to the show notes. So if you're driving at the moment or just listening to this when you, or you can't take notes, uh, we'll just go back to the show notes and this will all be on there. Um, well, Matt, again, this has been awesome. I appreciate your time, brother. This has been great. Um, follow us on. Honor having you. This has been this has been probably one of the best podcasts I've been on in a while, Matt. So I really appreciate <laughs> your 
authenticity in your combo, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, sir. So follow us on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. Um, subscribe on YouTube. We're we're starting the video form of this now. So subscribe on YouTube. And if you got some value out of this video, hit that like button. Uh, Matt, where can people follow you in social media? The Matt Faircloth. Sorry, other Matt Faircloths of the world. The Matt Faircloth. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on IG. Uh, and there's a good um, link on my Instagram profile. that You guys can hear everything I just talked about and everything we offer is there on our Instagram profile too. So All the right. Matt Faircloth on Instagram. There you go. And I am at ant1234 Moreno on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can find me there. And Josiah is, again, at Daily Real Estate Investor. Uh, well, thank you guys. This has been awesome. And we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please connect with me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor or via email at josiahsmelser at gmail.com. My new book titled Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals is out. You can get it either in digital or physical format on Amazon. Once you've read the book, please leave me a review. Tune in next time for another episode of The Daily Real Estate Investor as we both join in our financial freedom journey.